All right, let me open with this. C.S. Lewis entitled his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, is what it was called in his autobiography. In characteristic brilliance and artistic attractiveness, he shares the intimacies of his desire to discover faith and his difficulties in finding it, which is true of a lot of people. He speaks of the deaths of his mother and father, his study and snobbishness at Oxford. Been there, it's true, it's hilarious. They just speak different. He speaks about World War I, his rediscovery of himself. And finally, in his room at Oxford in 1929, he wrote this. He says, I gave in and admitted that God was God, and I knelt and prayed. Perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. The prodigal son at least walked home on his own feet. And I think it's on our screens now that I want to point out that I gave in, he says, and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed. I would imagine if you have not been to that place where you recognize that God is God and you get to that place where you recognize that God is God, that must warrant a response in your life. Who we pretend God to be or not to be, who we know God to be or not to be, will determine how we respond. And when C.S. Lewis got to this place, it commanded that he knelt and prayed, an appropriate response to God. Amen? Let's read Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Again, if you're looking for something to say on Thanksgiving Day, it's all written out here for you. Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are merely idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. I love that. Say among the nations... The Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established and it will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. That all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. What does that look like? Before the Lord, for He is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Wow. I hope on some level that that stops you in your tracks when you read words like that. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do indeed praise you. We desire, Lord, every day to sing a new song as you have commanded that all the earth would sing to the Lord, that we are to bless your name. Forgive us that we don't do that enough. Lord, we ask you so often to bless us, to be with us, to bless our day, to bless our families, to bless us in the workplace, to bless, bless, bless. 
But you tell us here in Psalm 96, Lord, that we're to bless your name. And we often fail to do that. Clearly, Lord, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy to be blessed. Your name is mighty. You reign over all the earth. You are King of kings and Lord of lords and worthy of our praise. And Lord, may we bless your name today. May we bless your name this week, Thanksgiving week. And Lord, may we carry that in to the rest of our lives and into the new year that we would find reasons to bless your name because they are plenty. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So, Let me give you a quick summary of Psalm 96. Psalm 96 calls us to sing to the Lord and to bless and praise His powerful name. That's what it calls us to do. To daily proclaim the salvation of God in Israel and to make known the wonders of His majesty to those that don't know Him. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God. This appeal is justified by the acclamation of Jehovah as the only God and creator. With this in mind, a call is addressed to the nations to worship this God and for the Israelites to proclaim among the nations the joyful message of his coming. The psalm closes with a call to the whole universe, including the heavens, the earth, the sea, the fields, and the trees to praise the Lord. What a great picture. Here's our outline for this psalm. One true God, one true king, and one true judge in the following verses. Here's the big idea of this psalm. Only by knowing who God is can we know how to properly respond. Only by knowing who God is can we know how to properly respond. And so here's a great question. (laughs) Is your life and my life a life of proper response to who God is? Let me ask you that again. Is your life and my life a life of proper response to who God is? A lot of times we meet people and we ask this question What do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Imagine if we said, well, I live a life of proper response to God. That's what I do for a living. (laughs) What do you do for a living? I live a life of proper response to God. What do you do for a living? Interesting, isn't it? Is what we do for work, is that our life? Does that describe our life? We are to live a life of proper response to God. Is your life and is my life a life of proper response to who God is? I have a wife. I have a proper response as a husband to my wife. I clearly then must have a proper response in my life to my Lord. Amen? Psalm 96. There's a who and a how, right? There's a who and a how. The Lord is the main subject of this psalm. Look at verses 1 through 6, just as an example. Look, he's mentioned in every verse, every line, I think. Sing to the Lord, a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. 
He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. There's no confusion as to who we're talking about here. The focus, the spotlight, all the attention is on the Lord God Almighty. The Lord is mentioned in this psalm, Psalm 96, he's mentioned 24 times. You know what's important about that? When you read these 13 verses and God's mentioned 24 times, it's a nice break from yourself. It's a nice break from myself. Isn't that fantastic? That's what God's word does. It gets us to focus off ourselves and go, oh, it's not about me. I forgot about that. I forgot. Where's that psalm that's about me? And I look through all 150 psalms and I can't find any. That's what's great. That's just one psalm with 13 verses, and he's mentioned 24 times, and it's like, oh, it's such a nice break from me. And additionally, of course, the content tells us things about God. It's not just saying him, him, him. It tells us things about him. And then, of course, the how. While the psalmist does a splendid job articulating many of the Lord's attributes, he also notifies us of a proper response. Let's look at verses 7 through 10, for example. We're to ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. That includes you. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. We're to respond properly according to who he is determines how we are to respond. There are 20 commands in this psalm, just like 24 times the Lord's mentioned, 20 different commands of response. 20 in these 13 verses. 20 commands of response. Does the idea of a commanded response rub us the wrong way? Does the idea of a commanded response to the Lord God Almighty, does that rub you the wrong way? The psalmist gives us 20 commands on how we're to respond to the Lord. Let me tell you this. Every day, you and I respond to commands. They're called laws. Man-made laws. We respond to man. We respond to the commands of man all day long. We have no problem with that. Do we have a problem when the psalmist tells us or commands us 20 different ways in how we're to respond to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Matter of fact, Paul writes in Romans chapter 14, verse 11, he says this, For it is written, and he quotes the Old Testament, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. It is commanded of all that we will bow and give praise. So, who and how cannot be separated As I continue to understand, as we continue to understand who God is, the how of my response should continually mature. Yes? As I continue to understand who God is, the how of my posture, the how of my response should continually mature. I hope you're responding better than you did last month, last year, last decade in your life. Jesus understood, and he addressed this as well. Jesus understood this when he was training his men. Go to Mark. See, I quote Mark as often as I can, because it's just, 
It's just easy for me to remember because my name's Mark. Go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verses 27, 28, and 29. So Mark has 16 chapters. We're basically smack dab in the middle. I don't know exactly where Jesus was in his three and a half years with these men, but he's probably more than halfway, right? So he'd been hanging out with these guys. He's teaching them, and he's training them. And so verse 27, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, and he says to them, Who? Who do people say that I am? Jesus recognizes that this is important for them because he ain't going to be here for about another year and a half maybe. The who, how they respond to that who question is very important. And they told him, see people say this about Jesus, they said to him, oh John the Baptist, that's a good thing, that's a good comparison. Others say Elijah, another good comparison. And others, one of the prophets. That's a good comparison too. It's just wrong. And he continued by questioning them. But who do you say that I am? Because I don't have much longer with you. And it's imperative that you know who I am. Because who I am will determine how you live your lives when I bolt. When I'm gone. And they understood. Look what Peter says. He says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one that was prophesied about. And they, because of their understanding of who he was, how they lived their lives moving forward, changed the world. We sit here because of their response. Is that amazing? It's important that we know who God is, and it's important that our response measures up with the, the who of his life or the who of who he is. Additionally and amazingly, (laughs) serving an infinite God means that we're always privileged to learn more about who he is. You get to engage for the rest of your lives discovering an infinite God. And so how we respond should always be developing accordingly. Is that true of you today? Is that true of you today? If, we're, if he's an infinite God and we're always privileged to learn more about who he is, then our how should always be developing, is that true of you today? Because if not, it's not because God has suddenly become not infinite. Because we've, we've stopped seeking him. We've stopped learning who he is. So, Part one, if you will, the who of Psalm 96, the who of this psalm. Many attributes are found in this psalm, but I believe verse 10 provides the best starting point and the best summary, the first part of verse 10. We're in Psalm 96, right? I'm still in the book of Mark. All right, where's that Psalm 96? I lost it. Psalms before Proverbs or after Proverbs? All right, I got it. Okay, look at verse 10, the first part. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I think that's just a good summary. The Lord reigns. This is a good summary and a good starting point. The Lord reigns means to rule and reign as king, supreme ruler over people. The Hebrew word is melech, M-E-L-E-K. And it occurs more than 2,000 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. 
And here in Psalm 96, it designates God as the one invested with ultimate authority and power over his subjects. We are his subjects. Lord means master. Kingship of God is an organizing theme for all of Scripture. Here's some other attributes through this psalm. Let's look at these. It says in verse 2 that he brings salvation. So verse 2 says. That means that the Lord helps. The Lord helps. He preserves us from harm. He delivers us. He saves us. That's why we say, are you saved? I guess it would be okay to say, are you preserved? But that just sounds weird. We've been used saved for too long. I've been delivered. I've been saved. It says in verse 3 that he is glorious. The Lord exists in a state of high honor and importance. It says in verse 3 that he does wonderful deeds. That means to do something that is too difficult to do. A supernatural act of a divine agent, one who does the miraculous. It says in verse 4 that he is great. That means he's remarkable and out of the ordinary. Yeah, Jesus is remarkable and extraordinary for sure. Verse 5 says that he is real. Look at verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. God's real. Idols means non-existing things. People are worshiping a material symbol that was formed by man. Doesn't seem weird? So if anybody made anything in that deal, it was the man who made the idol. I'd say, well, you're at least worthy of worship because you made something. This thing that you made didn't do nothing. God, it says in verse 5, made the heavens. Jesus Christ, the one we worship, came in the flesh. God is real. Verse 6 says that he is full of splendor. That's the quality of being powerful and magnificent. Verse 6 says he is full of majesty. The quality and adornment which inspires awe or reverence. If you are not in awe of God on some kind of regular, consistent basis, something's wrong. Your who needs to be fixed. It says in verse 6 that he is filled with strength. That means he's full of might, power, fortified, or fortress. He is our mighty fortress. Verse 6 says that he's filled with beauty. That means he's being highly respected or revered. And then it says in this psalm that he is coming back to judge the earth. It says in verse 10 that he will judge with equity. That means he will do it fairly. It says in verse 13 that he will judge in faithfulness. That means with honesty and trustworthiness. And verse 13 says he will judge in righteousness. And that means according to a standard. And the standard is the person of Jesus Christ. That's the standard, the holy standard to which we are upheld. And so we can either claim our righteousness, and our righteousness is but filthy rags, Scripture says, or we can claim the righteousness through the person of Jesus Christ and his blood covers all of our sins and we are declared, declared righteous because of his blood over our sin. Part two, the how of Psalm 96. If he is our king, how do we behave as his loyal 
subjects. Do you ever think of yourselves as a loyal subject to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Probably not. It's just not a thing that we think about in everyday vernacular. That I have a king and, I have, and I'm a loyal subject. But that's who he is. And that's what we are. How do we behave as his loyal subjects? So here's a question. <laughs> have, have you ever met someone that just seems unusual? Come on, we all have, right? Okay, right? They just seem unusual. Which means they had the same thought. You get that? If you met somebody that seems unusual, and you're like, well, they seem unusual, They're, they had the same thought about you, right? Okay, just so we're clear on that, right? When we do meet somebody that we would say is unusual, or when they met you and think you're unusual, when we do, we, we often don't know how to respond. When we meet somebody that seems a little unusual, we just don't know how to respond. I said this three years ago, I remember saying this, their who is throwing off our how. Their who is throwing off our how. Right? Well, there's no one like God. Not even close. And so his who, it better throw off your how. Because there ain't nobody like our God. Learning how to respond to who the Lord is is an important, ongoing, and joyful challenge that we get to partake in every day. Amen? How are we to respond to our great king? Verses 1 and (laughs) 2, I love it. It says we're to sing to the Lord. Well, that can't be me. I can't sing. Well, I've developed three strategies. There's more, but I only came up with three. Strategy number one, sit with good singers, man. (laughs) Sit with good singers. Sing to the Lord, it says. Three times it says sing to the Lord. Strategy number one, sit with good singers, because good singers make you sound good, better, however you want to say it. Okay, strategy number two, sit with bad singers. Same thing. If they're bad, you sound good. So really, no matter where you sit, you're fine. You're totally fine. Sing. A third strategy. Go home and sing in the privacy of your own home, but get those dual-pane windows. It's just an idea. That's three. I've come up with three. You're on your own from here. We're to sing to the Lord, man. It's, I, I, you know, I, I say this all the time, and I, just, I love to sing to the Lord. I just do. In the privacy of my home, in my car, in church, with people, good singers. But I just don't, I love to sing to the Lord, man. He's worthy to be sung to. Verse 2 says we're to bless his name. We're to bless his name. We're to speak words of excellence to our God. We're to speak words of excellence. How often do we do that? How often do we, do we speak words of excellence to the Almighty God? Thanksgiving Day? When we pray before a meal? That's fine. But boy, I hope it's more than that. We're to proclaim good tidings of his salvation. That's in verse 2. We're to proclaim good tidings. That proclaim good tidings is where we get the word evangelize. 
Evangelize just means that we're going out and telling people, right? We're just proclaiming good tidings. I think it was in, is it John 9 where Jesus heals the blind guy on, on the Sabbath? And then they're questioning him. They're trying to trap Jesus. And they're asking him a bunch of questions. And he's like, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. He's just proclaiming good tidings. I don't know. I don't know. We are to tell of his glory among the nations and his wonderful deeds among the peoples, verse 3 says. That means we're to be missional, both locally and globally. To tell of his glory among the nations and his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. We're to be missional, both locally and globally. Verse 4 says that we are to praise him. We praise someone because they are praiseworthy for something they have done. We took a moment to praise um, Heather Cowell and the team of people that, all the folks, right, that put these boxes together because it's praiseworthy. And so I wonder if we say, Lord, I praise you because, instead of just, Lord, I praise you, Lord, I praise you because, because he did something praiseworthy. Lord, I praise you because, boom, 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 boom. We are to fear him. We are to fear him, verse 4 says. That's a reverential fear as we recognize him for who he truly is, and that is King of kings and Lord of lords. The Lord reigns. The best way, you know, I, I, I love reverential fear, you know, this whole idea of fearing the Lord and reverencing the Lord. And my, my favorite way of describing this, and I've mentioned this before, is, is people like uh, in law enforcement. Like, that to me is a reverential fear. Right? Like, I'm not fearful for my life, but I have a reverence for what they do, knowing that they can take my life if I act like an idiot. Right? And so that's the reverential fear with God. Like, I'm, I'm safe in his presence if I understand what, the, what his presence, what my response to his presence requires. We are to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, it says in verses 7 and 8. We are to bring an offering to the Lord, it says in verse 8. We are to bring an offering. That means... When we, when we give an offering, you know what that means? It means we're paying tribute. We're paying tribute. Who do you pay tribute to? A king. You pay tribute to a king. It's also to show thanksgiving. And it also shows submission to that king when you pay tribute. It says in verse 8 that we're to come into his courts. That means those designated places whereby he can be found. He says, come to places where I can be found. Don't invite me into places where I can't be found. We often, right, we, we do some unsavory things. We engage in some unsavory activity, and we wonder, we wonder where the Lord is. He says, no, come to my gates. Don't have me come into yours. Go to those places where I may be found. We are to worship him in holy attire, it says in verse 9. We are to worship him in holy attire. That's the quality of being set apart as opposed to being common. That means we're not flippant in our worship of him. We are to worship him with clean hands and a pure heart. Do we prepare our lives for worship for the the Lord? It says in verse 9 that we are to tremble before him all the earth. Isn't that fantastic? The awesomeness, right, awe, the awesomeness of our Lord should cause all the earth to tremble. And then it says in verses 11 and 12 that even creation is to respond 
Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Wives, maybe your husband is just sitting there singing like a tree. You got scriptural backup that that's just fine. Right? Stand like a tree and worship. That's just perfect, Psalm 96 says. Even the fields or the trees in the field will sing. So, church, what do we do with Psalm 96? Let us use this psalm to encounter 2019, maybe a little bit better than we encountered 2018. Maybe just a little bit better. Maybe a lot better. Let the Lord stretch you and grow you in discovering more about who he is. Because who he is will determine how we respond, I hope. So let the Lord stretch you and grow you in discovering. Be in discovery mode of who he is. In other words, grow your who. Grow your who. Ask each other, how are you going to grow your who in 2019? Lots of us perhaps do Bible reading plans. I know many people here read the Bible through in a year. That's fantastic. Maybe you don't read many books. Maybe just read an additional book, something to do with Scripture, something to do with God's Word. Maybe you grab a commentary, go down to the local bookstore, order something online, a commentary. As you read, you can just look at the commentary. Maybe you want to be discipled, or maybe you'd be willing to disciple somebody else. Find somebody to disciple. Maybe it's time for you to be in a community group. Maybe either join one, start one, host one. Maybe God's asking you to teach in children's ministry. You want to learn more about the Lord? Prepare a lesson that you have to teach. You'll learn. Grow your who. Perhaps the Lord desires to stretch you in the how. How are you and I responding when we encounter the Lord? Are you giving the Lord your all, or do you hold back in your response? As we encounter the Almighty God, this should change us. Yes? As we encounter the Almighty God, that should change us in how we respond. And so as we encounter by growing our who, it should change our how. Sing. Sing. Proclaim. Proclaim the good news of salvation. Be missional both locally and globally. Come into his courts, those places where he can be found. Come to those places more often. Bring an offering in such a way that keeps him on the throne, not your finances on the throne. That's a big part of giving. It determines who's sitting on the throne, us or him. Be less flippant in your time of worship by worshiping in holy attire. Be prepared to worship. Understanding who the Lord is cannot be separated from how one responds. And for this reason, the Rock Community Church preaches the word of God in season and out of season because as we keep preaching, keep preaching, keep growing your who, our hope and desire is that your how changes. Many years ago, a group of 20 distinguished Americans met in the Astor House in New York City. It's a hotel, really nice hotel, during the presidency of Millard Fillmore, the 13th president of the United States. Among the dinner guests was Secretary of State Daniel Webster, who had been unusually quiet. 
In an effort to engage him in conversation, a colleague asked him, Mr. Webster, will you tell me what was the most important thought you ever had? Isn't that an amazing question? Mr. Webster, will you tell me what was the most important thought you ever had? After a brief silence, Mr. Webster confidently replied this way. He says, the most serious thought that ever occupied my mind was that of my individual responsibility to God. Wow. That's powerful. That's the man who gets it. My individual response to God is the most compelling thought I've ever had. And it should be ours as well. Let me reverse this as we close. Our how, our how reveals who. Our how, think about that, then I'm going to put something up in a second. Our how reveals who. Put up this last slide. The how of your life and my life is a direct reflection of the most important who in your life and in my life. If I knew the intricacies of how you lived your life, that's going to tell me who's the most important thing or things or people in your life. Does it make sense? Are your children? Are those your who? Is your spouse? Is that your who? Is your boss? Is that your who? Your how, my how, tells us who the the most important who is in our lives. Our God is so patient with us. He's so patient with us. He wants to be the most important who in your life because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And sometimes how we're going about it needs to be adjusted. It needs to be adjusted. It needs to be adjusted. And God's there, never leaving us, never forsaking us. He just says, let's do it better next year. Let's do it better next year. Let's do it better tomorrow. Amen?